Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Author of life, we thank you this morning for your words, and we ask that your spirit would dwell within us as we meditate upon them to transform us in heart and mind and soul. Amen. So when you're in seminary, one of the things that you have to do is take classes on how to preach. In those classes, you spend a lot of time reading and watching sermons by notable preachers. The idea is that by reading well-crafted sermons, you can start to see the way that they're structured. And by hearing sermons, you can get a feel for things like rhythm and pacing. By watching sermons, you get a sense of the differences in delivery. The thing is, when you spend so much time with other people's sermons, not all of them stand out afterwards. You start to notice that some people don't have a whole lot of presence in the pulpit, but the content of their sermons are captivating. You notice that some preachers are dynamic and energetic, but the words that they preach are hollow. And on very rare occasion, you come across preachers that are both enjoyable to listen to and preaching something worth hearing. And those are the sermons that stand out for the good reasons. Unfortunately, today's passage calls to mind a sermon that still stands out to me for the wrong reasons. You see, we were assigned to listen to a sermon on this passage. The preacher was one of those that's exciting to watch, but what he had to say severely missed the mark. 
when this particular preacher looked at this passage, what he saw was a promise of financial prosperity. He looks at the struggles of Simon Peter, James, and John, and sees three struggling businessmen. So the conclusion he comes to is that if you trust in Jesus, then he's going to turn your fortunes around and grant you material success. Now this preacher was talking to a room full of entrepreneurs, so it's possible he merely let his interpretation of the word be shaped by his audience. But whatever the case may be, it's a disservice to the word of God if we reduce it down to this kind of material success. And if we keep reading to the end, we see that such a reading isn't even faithful to the conclusion of the story. So let's work our way through this story with this question in mind. What kind of success is Christ preparing for Simon, James, and John? To set the scene, we have to keep in mind what has happened thus far in Luke's narrative. We've seen Jesus receive his baptism, wander through the desert, return to his hometown to start his ministry, get thrown out of his hometown, perform a few healings, and do some preaching. In other words, Jesus has been running a one-man show so far. It's in the performance of this solo preaching that Jesus crosses paths with Simon. Jesus is trying to preach, and the crowds start to overwhelm him. So he asks Simon if he can use his boat and go a little ways out into the water. This allows Jesus to keep preaching without being crushed in the crowd. Simon does this favor for Jesus, and then in return, once Jesus finishes speaking, he turns to Simon and says, hey, you know if you go out to the deep water, you'll get a catch. Simon seems skeptical, to say the least, but gives it a shot. Much to his surprise, his catch is so large that it starts to break his net and he has to call his partners to come help. And it's at this point that I want us to pause and reflect on how the story is unfolding so far. Simon performs a good deed for Christ, apparently without any expectation of reward from it. Christ then pays back this favor with a bounty that's not only unexpected, but quite literally overwhelming. And how does Simon respond to this series of events? He exclaims, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Or to put it differently, Simon isn't looking to capitalize on what Jesus has given him. Even though he's been given this gift in exchange for the good deed he did, he doesn't see it as something that he deserves. And how radically different is this response from the idea that we should grab hold of any wealth that God puts into our lives. Then, if we keep reading, we see that not only is Simon am amazed and afraid by what has happened, but so too are James and John. In response to their awe, Jesus offers these words as comfort. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And so the story ends. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Not only do the disciples seem uncomfortable with the material wealth that Jesus offers up to them, 
And not only does Jesus say to them, that's not the point, but they leave behind everything that they own in order to follow him. So what kind of success has Jesus prepared them for? Not to be titans of commerce, that's for sure. Instead, he looked at the generosity of Simon Peter, at the courage he and his partners must have had to venture out into dangerous waters, at the patience that they must have possessed to face failure after failure, and saw skills that could be used for the mission of God. This is the true wealth of the good news of the gospel, that the skills that we possess can be transformed for the greater glory of God. We will not find the wealth of God in our bank accounts or in the size of our houses or in the price of our cars. We find the wealth of God when we have the chance to make the world a more loving place. We find the wealth of God when we're able to do good for others. Now I'm on the path to ordination and all that this means is that the kind of ministry I'm called to is a little bit different from the rest of you. Because as a matter of fact, it's not ordination that calls a person into ministry, but it's our baptismal covenant. And so if you were baptized in the United Methodist Church, then you made a covenant or your parents made a covenant on your behalf that you agreed to upon becoming a member, that you would confess Jesus Christ as your savior, put your trust in him and serve him as your Lord. Each of us has our own unique gifts and talents, but we have sworn as one body in Christ to use those gifts in the service of our Lord. Now part of my ministry as someone pursuing ordination is to help equip all of you live in to that baptismal call to ministry. I'm not Jesus, so I don't know if I can look at a fisherman and see right away how that translates to ministry. But hopefully by working together on projects like the visitation ministry I announced this morning, we can help someone find their passion. And hopefully by making you aware of training opportunities, someone is able to get a little more expertise in something that they enjoy doing. And hopefully through preaching and Bible study, I'm inviting you to think about things in a way that helps you to find your own calling. The bottom line is this. I'm privileged to be doing the work that I do. It's an incredible blessing to be able to be devoted full time to working with others for the kingdom of God. So if there's an area that you feel called to serve, I want to help you serve. And if you see a need that isn't being met, then I would love to work with you on meeting that need. The wealth of the kingdom is in each and every one of us. And together, we can multiply our gifts into something truly incredible. Amen.